This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I had a really great time talking to Amy Vale. Amy Vale is the Chief Marketing Officer at Charity Water, which is an international nonprofit with a mission to bring clean and safe drinking water to developing countries. I've seen their founder, Scott Harrison, speak many times, and it is an organization that is unbelievable. Believable. This was really a dream job for Amy, and you'll hear about her path to get everything she's wanted in life always. I mean, I, I found her so driven and really uh, inspiring, particularly for young women uh, who are afraid to put themselves out there. Amy really pushed past her own comfort zone to get what she wants in life, and you'll hear it as a result on this podcast. So welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. And I'd love for you to tell our listeners just a little bit of the story of how you got to where you are today. I, I mean, the the position where you are today at CMO of Charity Water is just an incredible opportunity to make impact. And I'd, I'd love to hear how you got to where you are and the story of your career. I guess the, the thing that sort of sparks when I'm asked that question is uh, back when I was in high school, I did uh, media studies in my final year and we were asked to produce a piece of content and so a lot of my um, my classmates were creating these really sort of intense angsty teenage documentaries and um, my immediate thought was to create a TV commercial um, and so I asked my grandfather to dress up um, as uh, one of the guys from ACDC and um, skipped down my primary school path and I shot everything and um, it was around a car commercial. So it was a really sort of loose concept and I had absolutely no training. Um, but that was like my immediate reaction was to get into advertising and talking about selling a car. So um, it started pretty early and um, as I as I started applying for college, I actually, um, I applied for international trade as my first preference of all things um, and advertising was there on the list and I actually got into advertising and missed out on international trade, thankfully. Um, wow. And the more that I started learning about advertising, like I couldn't believe that I'd actually fallen into it because I love it so much. Um, the more that I started to dig through, um, you know, the different types of facets of advertising, the more I just got so intrigued by the idea of advertising and marketing and what that could look like for a career for me. So I continued to sort of journey down the path of, 
you know, my entire career sort of exploring different areas. Um, and it always seemed really interesting to me um, to have a position where I could talk to so many people and tell a story um, and really sort of persuade them to act. You know, that was so interesting and fascinating to me. So I sort of, I began as a copywriter at TBWA um, back in the day um, and I was working on a ton of different Australian brands and international brands. And I loved um, the creativity that copywriting afforded me. Mm. But the thing that I really struggled with was the subjectivity of um, the discipline. So not really having um, a clear sort of black and white yes or no. It was very sort of, um, you know, someone, I would take a, an idea to um, a colleague and or my creative director and they would love it. And then I would right. take it to someone else and they would say, no, that you haven't answered the brief. You haven't hit, you haven't hit the nail on the head there. And so I got a little bit sort of frustrated because I, I sort of, I'm not too great in gray area. I like to sort of like work in the gray area and turn it into black and white. Yes. So I decided that my next step was to sort of explore marketing. And I went through a handful of different roles uh, in marketing, um, working in, in uh, aluminum or aluminum, as you say it in America, um, <laughs> yes. which is a, which is a really interesting um, lesson in sort of working in something like I figure if you can sell aluminium, then you can pretty much sell anything. Um, Absolutely. So I was really fortunate to be able to sort of work my way through a handful of different uh, companies uh, in Australia. And right before I moved to New York, I was working at a parenting website called Kidspot. Um, and it was sort of one of those things where I, I had been planning to move to New York and I'd sort of been dreaming of moving to Manhattan since I was probably 10 years old. Um, wow. So when my, when my family heard that I was actually going to make the move and I was going to really give it a go, um, you know, they, were, they weren't surprised because it was one of those things that I'd just been talking about for so long. And the interesting thing was that, you know, throughout, you know, when I graduated from college, I'd actually started a small agency um, and was working with um, small to medium enterprise. And I sort of like fit, I identified this sort of like gap at the time, which was there were sort of these small design shops where you could get a logo and some brand identity and things like that. Or you had to go to an, like a fully fledged agency. And so I was sort of in the middle and sort of helping businesses with all of those things without sort of charging the crazy overheads. Um, so I was in this yeah. really nice position where I'd had like agency experience that I was sort of schooling myself as I went, as well as working in these really interesting and diverse businesses in their marketing functions. So when I came to the States, um, I was probably um, one of the most intense candidates that recruiters have ever heard of because I was just constantly on the phone. I was networking really, really hard. Um, and just well, because uh, you had up, the entrepreneurial spirit, you already were an entrepreneur, so you knew you kind of behaved in that way when searching for a job. Absolutely, and I didn't have a choice. Like, if I wanted to make this move work, then I just sort of had to completely push myself out of my comfort zone and really yes. stick my neck out. And fortunately, yeah. it paid off. Um, so I joined a company called Mojiva, um, and that was uh, a mobile advertising company and was there for almost the better part of three years um, and had, you know, built up their marketing function and was responsible for their brand positioning and all of that type of work. And there was two companies there. There was a mobile ad network and a mobile ad server. 
and they were pretty, um, I guess, that it was a new technology at the time, um, slowly coming up and gaining sort of a lot of momentum um, in the industry and had arrived at a place in um, early 2013 where I felt like I'd done as much as I possibly could um, and decided to start thinking about what was my next step. And so I wrote a list. I wasn't in a rush. I just wanted to make sure I was making the right move. Um, and I made a list of all of the industries I wanted to move into. And uh, publishing music and fashion were the three that made it to the top. So Spotify was naturally on my list. Yeah. Um, so I had to, again, sort of get... Um, stick my neck out there and I shot a note over to the, the chief revenue officer, Jeff Levick, um, and we, we connected and the conversation went on from there and the rest is sort of history as far as Spotify goes. So um, Amy, did you, in doing that, it wasn't like, were you looking for open positions or did you just say, I'm going to set out to network with every person I can at every dream company I want to work at? Definitely the latter. Um, yeah. I was sort of interested in necessarily applying for you know, all of the roles that were out there it was certainly like part of the, the strategy if something popped up that looked really interesting. But to me, I, I had found that the more you could make a connection with someone and they could identify with what your values are, the more that you sort of have an opportunity to really shape and craft a role that makes sense for you. And was that at that point, was that within your comfort zone because you had the experience doing it when you came in to New York or was it still stepping outside of your comfort zone to do that? Because I think that's something that a lot of young women and, and probably our young listeners would love slash want to do, um, yet they're inhibited. You know, they're held back from, from doing that. And I think it's, it's the only way really to get what you want, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, part of it was that I just, I knew what was at stake Mm -hmm. Um, and you always sort of have to like, I guess, do a little bit of a checks and balances when you're putting your neck out there. Like, is this really what I want? Is this really what I'm excited about? And if the answer is yes, then you have to go for it. Like it was the same with moving to New York. Like it's not something that I, I didn't know anyone in New York and I just moved here because I wanted to. Um, and how did you know you wanted to, what was it? Was it just like you were, you just felt you wanted to move there? Was it things you read about it, experienced it? Had you visited it? I'm so interested in, in always that choice because it's such a huge choice. I mean, you moved across the globe. Yeah, I think part of it, you know, like coming from when I was sort of so young, it was that I grew up watching Friends and Seinfeld and all of those sitcoms that yep. looked so fun and interesting and exciting um, to be in that, that environment. But as I grew up, um, I realized that I wanted opportunity. And the thing about growing up in Australia, particularly in the outback, I was, um, my primary school had 120 kids total. Um, wow. It was a really small, tight environment and everyone knew your business and everyone had an opinion on it. And so I just wanted more opportunity. And, you know, as soon as I graduated high school, I moved to Melbourne. I didn't wait for the, the college semester to start because I just wanted to be in an environment where I was being put in front of opportunities all the time. And then that's when I think it sort of Melbourne started to get feel a little bit small um, and there wasn't enough opportunity. Like I was always sort of hungry for, for more. And that's when I think it really sort of the, you know, the 10-year-old desire to be 
a part of the action and sort of somewhere really exciting and exuberant and the, you know, the grown-up version of me that was looking at, like, what does my life look like? They connected really quickly um, and that's when it sort of felt like a very real feasible opportunity for me. Amazing. Okay, so now in your story, you're at Spotify. So tell me what's next. So what are you doing at Spotify and then how did you come to Charity Water? Yeah, so I was... uh, I was at Spotify for just over two years and I was the head of global B2B marketing and brand experience. So I was um, helping position the the brand towards advertisers and agencies and I was also running their branded experiences and partnerships sort of uh, piece as well. Um, And interestingly, I went to the Galapagos Islands um, last year uh, over the holidays and I sort of I've always been one of those people that's always connected to my email and always available. Um, And that was the first time that I'd actually disconnected and completely unplugged from my phone and was not even concerned with that. And, you know, I'd I'd written a post on LinkedIn about this, but I was standing at this like little rock pool where the baby sea lions were playing. It was adorable. And I was like, wow, there is so much more out there than than my email. Um, And I just started to sort of get very... um, insular and starting to think about like what does my future look like and and how can I sort of shape this so I can be contributing more um, in my career and so I sort of like popped that thought in my pocket and um, a couple of months later I had a headhunter call me and say you know like I have an opportunity for you I know you're not looking but you know like there's this amazing opportunity with Charity Water they're looking for a CMO and just again, it was that one of those connection moments where I realized that this was this was what was actually my next step. Right. Um, and it was just it was one of those moments where I was like really sort of taken aback that everything had aligned so well. And it I was had, kind of like the clouds parted, and it was like, oh, here it is, the perfect exactly. place for you. <laughs> yes, I see it. I, I'm actually envisioning your whole thing right now from your whole story. <laughs> got it. I've got it. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'd seen Scott speak probably three, three or four years ago. Uh, it was at a marketing mobile advertising conference in the Dominican Republic of all places. Wow. And I just remember being so thrown with the way that Scott spoke, you know, the story that he had to tell. Um, it really moved me. And it sort of was one of those things where, you know, I'd given up my birthday and I was like really, really excited to be a part of the cause. And you know, I'd, I'd done all of those wonderful things. And then for whatever reason, I'd, I'd just become a fan from afar. But to know that I was, there was this opportunity for me to add my, my marketing expertise to a cause that is just so important uh, in the world and is completely solvable um, was something that was really resonating with me. And the more and more that I spoke to Scott, um, the more that I realized that this was something where I could really add value and make an impact in a way that's so much bigger than myself and so much bigger than anything I'll ever do. And I, you know, I'll never really get to see the true impact um, of the work that, that marketing, the role that marketing will play. But I just, I was like, what an an amazing, awesome opportunity. Like, how can I not say yes to this? (laughs) Of course, you had to say yes. So tell our listeners a little bit about Charity Water and a little bit of background on Scott. I know you mentioned him as well, and I've seen him speak, and he's just incredible. Tell us the story of Charity Water and and what they do. Yeah, so interestingly, Scott has a a very colorful history. He used to be a nightclub promoter, and he had this, um, I guess, a moment similar to myself, but probably far more dramatic, where he decided that nightclub promotion, you know, there was more that he could do 
um, and wanted to sort of explore what that looked like. And so he um, he went and worked on uh, the Mercy ships and yeah. um, was taking photographs for them and realized the more the time that he spent looking at these, you know, these people that were having these surgeries and, and being treated by the doctors on the Mercy ships, a lot of the the issues were actually caused um, by poor water quality um, or waterborne illnesses. And he started to realize that, you know, there, there was something in that and that, you know, looking at the source and trying to solve for that, that problem was where, you know, his real contribution could be. So he, after his mercy trips, he comes, uh, ships, he comes back to New York and he blasts his list, his nightclub promotion list with, um, he was throwing himself a birthday party, but instead of bringing him presents, he wanted people to donate money at the door and he was able to, that was sort of his first fundraising gig. Um, and it kind of just caught fire from there. Like people were just, you know, he, he kept pushing and driving this mission forward. Um, fast forward, you know, nearly a decade later, um, and we've been able to, serve, you know, serve so many people um, in so many countries um, with clean water. And now we're sort of in this new phase um, of the organization where we're building a, a marketing function to really drive the next phase of growth because we're sort of, the marketing function was is almost like the last piece um, yes. of the organization. We've built up our fundraising team, we've built up our water programs team and all of the other amazing groups that live within the, the organization. And the marketing function is the last piece. We've always had an amazing creative team and that sort of, a testament to the quality of the brand. Um, and now we're sort of in this final stage where we're just adding the last piece of the puzzle so we can really move into our next phase of growth to serve more and more people clean water in countries that need it. And so talk to me a little bit, uh, as much as you can, about the next phase of growth. What is next for Charity Water? I think the next piece is is really identifying... Um, where, you know, the new types of audiences that we need to connect to um, and really getting close to them and understanding what drives them and what is important. You know, like a lot of marketers are talking about millennials and they're looking for authenticity and they're looking for experiences over things. And to me, when I think about that, there's something really interesting and a role that Charity Water can play around being able to deliver that authenticity because, one of the real benefits about um, being a supporter of Charity Water is that we can show you where your money's going and you can also be confident that 100% of the funds that you're donating are going straight to the field. Um, and when I say the field, it's going to the water projects that are helping people get clean water. And so, you know, having those two pieces of really important information as a supporter, you know, being able to share that, um, I don't think enough people understand the real value that Charity Water is driving for our supporters because that's a, a real uh, unique differentiator for us. Uh, it's so important to us that we, we keep these two sort of separate bank accounts, one for water projects and serving the field and the other is for funding our operations, so paying for salaries and our rent and to keep the lights on and things like that. So I think being able to push that message out to new audiences um, and really sort of addressing how the audiences have changed, um, particularly since... Um, mobile has really sort of come into its own and is now very much a, a regular part of of our day-to-day -day that I think there's a huge opportunity there and I actually don't know what it looks like yet, which is really cool because I love solving those types of problems. Like I said earlier, I love 
taking the grey and turning it into black and white. So absolutely, I'm really excited for that. And you're pretty new to the role. I mean, you came in when in August, right? Was it August? Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. Wow. Cool. <laughs> wow. So it's incredible to hear kind of already for you to have such perspective and that impact is, is really phenomenal. Tell me a little bit about how Charity Water, uh, I would imagine that the social component of Charity Water and people who give and encourage others to give um, is incredibly important to the, so, to the organization. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think the really cool part about Charity Water is that we've always been sort of open to new things. So we were very early on uh, in Instagram and Twitter sort of participating like a normal brand would um, and building up a following that um, is connected and engaged and is really sort of interested to see what we do next. Um, I think the, the really cool piece about what we're going to be looking at in the future is sort of how we, we create that community and build the strengths within the community, not just sort of one-to-one, but across, like between our supporters. That's really interesting to me because this group of people have always been uh, in support of Charity Water and have been really um, committed to helping us achieve our goals. And so now, you know, now that we've sort of been a part of this, um, this story of, you know, the evolution of social and how you really, I guess, keep a relationship going um, in a very sort of unique environment because every sort of platform has its own unique purpose um, and own unique narrative that you can tell. And so when I think about that in terms of how we've leveraged that, um, photography has always been a part of, um, you know, beautiful photography that is celebrating the benefactors and really highlighting the value that water brings to people has always been a big part of our story. So having a platform like Instagram um, well, you know, it's about photos all day, um, really is a great um, canvas for us to paint on. Whereas when I look at Facebook, it's, it allows us the, the space to tell more stories. And again, storytelling has always been a huge part of our brand. So those two platforms um, have really allowed us to push our messages out, but also receive messages back from our supporters. Um, and in addition, you know, like thinking about Twitter, that has been a great platform, particularly for Scott, as he's talking and connecting with people on a one-to-one basis, but certainly for the organization as well. So we've sort of, we've taken this evolution and we've, we've really valued our audiences on social platforms and it's certainly played a big role. And now I'm really excited for what the next phase of that would look like as well. So it sounds like you're using each network differently to tell your story, right? Whether it's Instagram through imagery, whether it's Twitter through thought leadership and Scott, whether it's Facebook with kind of the more longer form stories and that the goal for the future might be so that now when you're telling your story, it's really getting all of your community of of your supporters to tell each other's stories to one another and connect the community in that way. I I love that. Yeah. it's, It's one of those really interesting things I think about what it means to donate or fundraise to an uh, for an organization. And when I think about Charity Water supporters, they are so committed and so passionate. And I think they have so much knowledge to share um, around what it means to support an organization and to also fundraise for an organization that I think that's really invaluable. And, you know, I'm, I guess I'm, one thing that I've noticed since coming to Charity Water outside of a for-profit environment is that, the generosity that I see on a daily basis just continues to blow my mind. Like it's one of those things that I think the more that we can have people talking about being generous and kind, um, the more that the the work starts to 
be so much more scalable. And I think that that's really an exciting part of connecting these really passionate people to each other. It must just be so inspiring every day to come in there. I can't, I can't even imagine that that is, feels like a dream. I like listening to you. It's so <laughs> exciting and inspiring, really wonderful. So you obviously have been in marketing a while and you're definitely one um, from what I'm listening to you, who really paves your own path and, and, and gets out and meets the people you need to meet. Talk to me a little bit about your own personal social media usage and how that has evolved as your role in marketing has evolved. Like, do you find that you use it more or less now that it's sort of a part of your job? At the moment, I'm using it less because I'm focused on, on building the team and sort of mm-hmm. um, nailing down the direction of, of our marketing. But the thing that I found really interesting is when I moved to New York, um, I realized how small the industry was um, and also how important um, social media was to being able to build your profile, um, particularly on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn has played a big role, like even just making sure that my profile was complete um, was really important because that's such a big reference point for people as they want to get to know you. It's sort of like, um, you know, the front, it's the curb appeal of your house kind of thing. You need to make sure that it's all organized and, and it's clear and coherent and is interesting and attractive to people. So when I would think about, um, you know, like how I would present myself to an industry in a region that knew nothing about me, um, it was important that I was able to really make sure that um, my presence was clear and my value was known. But also, particularly on Twitter, it was about being able to weigh into conversations and to mm. have an opinion um, because that was something, you know, like I'm not a, a crazy um, like tweeter. I won't, I won't be constantly like posting things, but I'll be weighing in on things, um, particularly as, as I was sort of initially new to the to the New York industry um, of advertising and marketing, I would be weighing in on things and I would have a perspective and an opinion. And that sometimes is more powerful than than posting things all of the time because you're connecting with people as opposed to sort of having a one-to-many conversation. And so tell me where, Amy, people can connect with you. I guess Twitter would be great since we just talked about Twitter um, and where people can connect with and engage with Charity Water. Yeah, so I can be found on Twitter. Um, I believe my Twitter handle is at Amy Vale. Yes, that is correct. It is, in fact. <laughs> I just <did> checked. <laughs> I love it. Um, Confirmed. Check. Amy Vale. Yes, on it. Um, and I think to connect with Charity Water, absolutely go to uh, the website, charitywater.org. Um, otherwise, I would love um, for people to connect with me on LinkedIn if they're interested in partnering with Charity Water. Um, we have a great brand partnerships team that I'm building at the moment and we love partnering with organizations that believe that everyone deserves clean water and that wants to contribute to that um, in a meaningful way. So there's a ton of ways you can get involved. You can fundraise, you can donate, you can partner with us as a, as a brand partner, um, but any and all support is always appreciated from the entire organization. I love it. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Amy. You're one fabulous social lady. Thank you so much. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media, 
Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.